Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal sending, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, happy post-holidays. Yeah. Hey, happy sort of like in-between holidays. So it's well, in-between. This is going to come February. out. It's New Year's a holiday? Sure. This is going to come out on Tuesday, January 2nd. Oh. Actually, yeah. happy, New- happy New Year. You're welcome. Happy 2024 to everyone listening and to Ben. Uh, to everybody except those people in my comments who keep telling me that uh, goalies today would make way more saves if they still have their feet. Um, you guys can, you know, you guys can have a, a subpar 2025, 2024. What year is it? I don't know. I'm tired. You'll, uh, you, those people will get their turn. They're, they're heyday. They're sunshine. They're ben, sunshine. before we, before we talk about the world juniors, I have to, um, I have to say I made the, the cardinal goalie coaching sin this afternoon. Yeah. Crazy move. Tells us all the people. So the GLI, the Great Lakes Invitational Tournament is a tournament Michigan Tech hosts. Uh, it's usually Michigan Tech, Michigan State, Michigan. Uh, Michigan currently is serving like a three or four year suspension for breaking all the rules a few years ago. Um, so it's Tech, State, Fairbanks, and Fair State. Um, because I'm in the middle of my Christmas camp and I have to go down to North Carolina tomorrow, I only decided to stay and watch the Tech game. But I didn't get tickets. And I, and if you're watching, you're going to see Ben struggling to get his microphone in order. Um, if I didn't, I didn't get tickets, so I lived downtown and I walked to the rink, got some box office tickets. The lady's like, well, there's, you know, these ones are up in the higher bowl and they're 30 bucks or we have these ones for 70. Um, but they're like really good seats. And I was like, oh, like where? And she pointed to the corner and I was like, oh, that's great. Like I can 
see the goalies. Like, this is great. So I get my seat, walk down. I realize that it's the corner, second row from the glass, right where the goalie coach is not supposed to sit. Um, could I have moved? Probably should have. But also, like, I was too busy, like, getting some pretty good video. Uh, my boy Blake, shout out Michigan Tech. Big comeback. Two nothing, down two nothing, came back one three two in overtime. I was actually very upset. I was going to leave uh, halfway through the third when it was still two nothing, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, just so I can come record this podcast with Ben. You're the one. I'm an idiot. Why would I do that? I don't think. And I mean, most coach probably not going to care, but it's always a hilarious move. I think for the goalie coaches listening here, they're probably laughing deeply in Jamie's face because. The classic goalie coach move is you just sit so unbelievably far away from your goalies that they have no chance of seeing you at all times. Yeah, and that's what I should have, and I should have done that. And I there actually were some open seats, and I, I should have moved up. But I'm a very like when I'm out in public, I don't like to have uh, conflict. And so the last thing I needed is someone to come up and be like, "Hey, you're in my seats." So I just uh, I just took it on the chin and I ate it. Um, couple two not so fun facts about the van and the arena in Grand Rapids. One. Um, that's where I played my last ever college hockey game. Lost one nothing to Ferris State. Shot, shot off of our own our own forward trying to block a shot. Went in. I had like a lot of saves. Played really well, but we still lost. And I cried very hard at the end of the game. And then my last ever American Hockey League game was against Grand Rapids Griffins. So did you win? Now I, and now I live here. So you tell me if it's coincidence. Did I win? And no. So uh, no. Technically, I didn't start. I got put in relief. Oh, so what you're telling me is that you moved back to Grand Rapids because of a deep-seated unfulfilledness from your time there, and it, you're trying to prove to yourself. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if subconsciously or even consciously <laughs> that was the role. But no, I actually I actually love Grand Rapids, and it's a good a good tournament. But talking about tournaments, there is a big one going on, and it is called the World Junior. Uh, World Juniors? World Junior Hockey Championships? World Junior Hockey Championships? Yeah, WJ. I was going to say World Junior A Challenge, but that's for like tier. So different. That's so different. It's never remotely so different. close to the same thing. Uh, yeah, we got the World Juniors going on. And for our North American listeners, congratulations. You're the ones who care the most. <laughs> um, and for our, for our American listeners, it's more hockey. Uh, the It's crazy. Like growing up in Canada is soon as like... Uh, yeah, basically after Canadian Thanksgiving, the only which is in October, the only talk is World Juniors, World Juniors, World Juniors, World Juniors. Like Boxing Day, Boxing Day is like the day when it's finally go time. And I remember growing up, like I loved it. Everyone Canada lost their streak, to the USA. I would have been playing. I remember I was actually legit sick to my stomach. I was so upset I didn't go to school the next day. And somehow my dad <laughs> let me go to Grath. Let me let me miss it. But um, not a lot of talk. In uh, in states like, I guess like NHL Network covers it, but like yep. ESPN doesn't talk about it or anything like that. So it's kind of it's lost a lot of its luster. Although there is one Michigan Tech Husky in the tournament this year, and he's, he's on fin- uh, Team Finland. He was not doing having a great tournament, but no. Shout out Michigan Tech Husky again. Michigan Tech's again. Yeah, the alumni department can officially start sponsoring you at any moment. Yeah, why don't they sponsor this pod? They should. I should reach out. Yeah, it's about time we up the, up that Michigan Tech enrollment. Um, so we're recording this on December twenty eighth, which means we are two games into the tournament for every team. Uh, by the time this comes out, the round robin will be close to being done. 
So we would actually have a much better idea. But this is the way too early fun time conversation. And first of all, uh, shout out Germany for beating Finland on mm. one of the first rooms. That was fun. Uh, I do have some some population fun facts, Jamie, that relate to this. Uh, German, the German population is, I want to get this right, a little bit of math in my head, 16 times the size of the Finnish population. Bet you didn't know that. No, I don't feel in small. It's what? Five million people? Just under six million people. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I but bet you... Boy, do they produce hockey talent, though. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But I bet you didn't know this. This is something... And I say I bet you didn't know, because I definitely didn't know, and then I felt just uncultured for it. Uh, Germany has 41 times the population of Latvia. A lot of uh, people. Yeah, less than 2 million people in Latvia. What is the population of Germany? 83 million people as of 2021. So probably a little bit more. It is way more than Canada. Yeah, twice as much. Yep. Oh, crazy. But let's talk a little bit uh, of goaltending here. Uh, this is that, that was geography with Ben Cernick. Um, oh. But um, so going into this tournament, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, we're not even going to talk about Canada because that was, that was a big theme, theme last year. Um, what, What's been the talk of the tournament? What have you seen, Ben, from your stats, your analytics, when it comes to any goalies we should keep an eye on? Uh, I think like the the biggest talk of the tournament is I'm gonna I there's no reason for me not be able to pronounce this, and so hand up unprepared. But Adam Gayon, 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 Gayon. Thank you. Yeah, you were. Yeah, Minnesota's goalies commit. Yeah. Yes. UMD commit. He's he's playing his 19, 20 year old year in the USHL. He was a draft plus one pick last year in the second round of the NHL draft. I think pretty much every person I saw, every person that does like just basic hockey commentary, and I say basic as in they're just like kind of more forward-facing media, all the way to my end of the spectrum of of more number-focused people, all kind of had Guyon as the, the, the predicted like tournament goalie of the tournament. Which he was, he was last year. Yeah, and he had a great tournament last year. Um, obviously, put his I shouldn't say put his name on the map because he was playing well last year in American Junior Hockey already, so it's unfair to say that this was really just the only reason people should have known who he was. But obviously, it does draw attention, and historically, people probably pay more attention to the World Juniors than they should. It is a small sample size, right? Here at Goalie Science, we like to talk about how five, six, seven games shouldn't define you as a goalie. Uh, there's more to it than that. But that's obviously been the big one. I think something that's like definitely floated under the radar from what I've seen is just how little people have acknowledged the American goaltending tandem, which of, of Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler. Um, so Augustine was a 17-year-old starting goalie for the U.S. last year. It was really good in that tournament up until that last last game of the tournament last year. And bringing Fowler a third-round pick uh, this past year, I believe. Oh, um, now I'm scared that might have been a fourth-round pick. But third or fourth-round pick last year, uh, is at Boston College and has been like unbelievable at BC. And I've watched a, a few BC games this year because they're a really, really fun team to watch. So that's my commentary is I actually think the the American goaltending uh, tandem, and I should say that's unfair to their third goal, who's Sam Hillebrand. I think the American goaltending is really fun. I, I, I was a big Augustine fan last year. I've watched BC. I like the way Fowler plays. I think they're exciting. So if you're if you're not, if all eyes on deck aren't on Gayon, I think it's... Uh, I think we can spend a little bit of time on the American goalies. Now, U.S. is 2-0. They're the favorites to win the tournament. So I think people have just been really caught up with how much scoring ability is on that American team. But shout out to their goalies. They're really good. Uh, otherwise, 
Yeah, that's my big thing. Canadian goaltendings looked okay. Um, again, admittedly, I hope everything goes well for them. I got nothing else to say. We have a small, yeah. we have small goalies this year. Jamie, the tournament is filled with small goalies. That's my biggest stat. A lot of small goalies under six feet tall. Yeah. Um, what's, what's crazy is, uh, well, actually, I recorded a podcast yesterday. Um, we'll be saving it. We're kind of trying to bank some episodes here, especially some interviews. But I uh, recorded a podcast with my buddy Roman Malkoff, grew up in Russia, uh, through the Russian goalie development model, as well as, you know, he's the goalie coach at Aquinas. He also works with a sports agency. So he's in a really good position. But we, we talked a lot off camera about height. And, you know, and then he invented some of his frustrations and I agreed with a lot of his frustrations, but then we, you know, came down to, you know, obviously the NHL is kind of is set in their ways at this time. Like, unless you are an absolute, like phenom, like a UC Soros or like a Shosturkin, the chances are it's an uphill battle. However, getting to like just before pro and like even the American league, you can like, if you're a good enough small goalie, like. You're not going to have any, it's not, there's not going to be like major roadblocks. Yes. People are going to look and be like, oh, well, he's small, but if you can play, you can play. Now, when it comes to the, Ameri- the NHL and like contracts and stuff, it does get a little different because, um, you know, even when it comes to like scouting, like they, they actually will look at like, what is the length of your femur? And there's all different calculations and things that they will use because there's the percentage of, you know, this and that net coverage are things that the stats nerds. Uh, like Ben will take into account on top of everything when it comes to, you know, you know, generally making saves, but um, just a shout out, there's a plug for that episode. I think it was really good, but I, I like that there are more smaller goalies in the tournament because I think it's just, it's nice to see. I think it's good for, for kids out there to see that and be like, I can be as good as they're in the world juniors than I can be in the world juniors. And that's, and, that, and that's important. And what happens after this, where they go on to play, who knows? But they're they're at like the, the highest level for their age group. And, you know, they're still having success. But isn't Trey Augustine pretty tall? Yeah, this is like where, this is this is how far the pendulum has swung towards tall goalies. In my head, I'm like, oh man, Trey Augustine, small goalie, 6'1". <laughs> oh, so, so that's... Yeah. Have we reached the point now where we're calling 6'1 small? Maybe. I think well, like it, it's below, it's below average. Yeah, it's below average for the NHL. So yeah. technically, I think we have to consider it small. Our side, yeah, it's a small-ish. The average is like just over. I mean, things have probably changed a little bit. I think the last full thing that I really read was from a few years back when the average was over six three and a half for the first time. So like, uh, yeah, huge. Um, again, you think of like the average population of how many people are six four and, and over. Or let me do some conversion. 193 centimeters or over. Uh, that is it's a lot to be over 193 or over six three and a half or six four. It, that's you're you're tall. Like yeah, Jamie, you're average. And I don't think I think you walk around every day above pretty much everyone you talk to. So yeah, no, but I mean that's just just the way the way it is. And you know if you ever around NBA players or you're around volleyball players, like they're they're tall human beings, and there's a reason that there is an advantage. I guess we can say it. there is a there is a huge there's huge pun intended uh, ad, advantage to being tall in the net, um, especially when all things skill wise are created equal. And that's always like you know especially a lot of parents will vent, vent their frustrations and I get it and I'm here to listen and, and understand and help understand. 
but they're always like, well, they just took someone because they're tall. Well, I, I guess like that probably like it does happen to a degree, yeah. especially, but yeah. also like if you were that much better, it usually isn't an issue. Um, I mean, that I, yeah. Yeah. This is where, the, this is where, I mean, yeah, I've seen it actually more and more recently, to be honest, like this, I guess this past tryout season, I saw more and more of the, the height thing come into play. So I'm sure lots of people have vented their frustrations in life about being a smaller goalie. I had a conversation today with a goalie actually on the ice. Um, their, you know, first year of high school. So they're a freshman in high school. And when I was like a freshman in high school or grade nine, I was five, six, five, seven ish. Mm-hmm. Right. You were not, but I was. Um, well, actually I was five, nine in my OHL draft year. And then I, you were, you know, you like grew like five inches. I grew a lot really quick. Leading up to your summer, like leading up to that season. Actually, I think it was five nine in Bantam, and then I was like yeah. six one ish by the time I was in draft, and then I there we go. Thank you. Finished out in a nice little six three and a bit, in, in the middle. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the only really interesting thing is I would say on average, um, goaltending is smaller uh, this year around. Now, with that being said, I'm pretty sure Rabel's in the tournament, right? I'm pretty sure that's the Czech goalie. This is how prepared I am, Michael Rabel. Another early draft pick last year. He's at UMass this year, or UMass next year, I should say. No, he's at UMass this year. Um, but yes, playing for the Czech, and he is not small. Rabel is six six, so Czech starting goalie is six six. Uh, admittedly, has not had the greatest start to the tournament, um, and he's been okay at UMass this year. Uh, I was just looking at some numbers as you were talking there, Jamie. Rabel is seven three and one at UMass. Should records matter for goalies? Do we care about records? Um, no. I mean, but there's so many things. Yeah, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, ish. Okay. Yeah, he's seven. He's played 12 games. Started looks like started 11. Um, two six seven goals against average. Nine five save percentage. Don't know any advanced stats. But Augustine and Fowler have both played again. The American goalies have both played like 17 and 18 goal or over 17 games, and they're both like they're like 12 three and one and 11 four and one. So. Shout out both all, I guess, shout out UMass, Michigan State, Boston College, and just the amount of college goalies and uh, NCAA goalies in the tournament in general. Which I like. I, I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I love college hockey, but a lot more European European goalies are going to college, and there is an avenue for that. And um, I actually, well, I talked a little bit about that with Roman, but talked about that with some disgruntled parents of North American goalies who did not like that the European goalies, but to in, to their defense, I don't disagree with the. It's in North America, it's or sorry, it's a lot easier for European goalies to come and play here in junior uh, hockey yeah. than it is to go over to Europe, yep. and so I, I I definitely get that, and I honestly wish it was easier just to play. Like if you're playing, if you're a Canadian kid and you want to go play in Finland J twenty or U twenty, sure. Like why not? You sh- if you if you if you can play, you can play. But I know they're like different import rules and all these things you got to go around. But I really wish that uh, that availability, you know, was there. But anyways, yeah, like okay, this will be this will be kind of the last one before we get in take our break and get into our main thing. I think the hardest thing to just come to terms with at the end of the day is that playing university, playing college, playing junior A, anything above that. It's such a small pool of people who get to do that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Right? It is. It's a small pool. Uh, 
So that's why we always, again, when whether we're being critical or supportive, boys, we're always aware, like, hey, you've you know, you've played junior hockey year of any kind. That's more than a lot of people get to do. So that's fantastic. It's great. It's a really cool opportunity that you've had to have in your life, right? When we get into NCAA, these junior leagues, right? A lot of we've seen a lot more European goalies come and play in the NAHL, for example, and then mm-hmm. end up in the USHL, right? A lot of the time, and then we get into junior and college, a lot of the time, these are essentially the job is to win, right? So people are looking for the best player. So yes, is it necessarily uh, fair if you're kind of what we'd say maybe a bubble player and, and you don't get quite the same opportunity? No, it sucks. Like it absolutely sucks to lose a spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no defense from me there. But also, you know, if you lose the spot to Michael Harabel or Adam Guyon, they're both second round NHL draft picks. They're pretty good. You know what I mean? They're, they're, we get into the conversation where we start truly calling them elite athletes, right? They're second yeah. NHL picks. They're going to play professional hockey. If we want to use the proper terms. Professional athletes are elite athletes. There you go. Right? That I, not an elite athlete. Sorry. Jamie, retired elite athlete. I've retired. Definitely not elite anymore. And I'm, it is disappointing how not elite I am, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, Better change topics. We're going to take a break here quick. So see you in a few seconds. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Back. Um, I hopefully that and the breaks going well. I hope people let us know. I truly have had not heard any feedback. The breaks are going poorly. Jamie, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I I'll be honest. I don't listen to the podcast back because I I do the editing manually now for YouTube. Um, I had a software and AI thing, but it didn't work because our the way we do our audio isn't like technically professional. Uh, so it, it didn't work the way I wanted it. So I do go back and listen to it on two or three times speed. Um, as I edit it, but I, I just, in the break, I put on YouTube, I put like a, usually like a, a pump to the Patreon just cause we don't have any official sponsors, but I don't, uh, I don't listen to it on Spotify. Although I did once and I was with my dad and I was very impressed that we had ads at the start. Yeah. You're welcome for that one. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, again, someone wants to sponsor us. It's like, no, we did turn down sponsorship money because it wasn't, we, we didn't really think it fit uh, the vibe of the podcast, and it wasn't something that we were both comfortable uh, company that we were comfortable taking money from. So, in order to make up for that and our great, great ethics, feel free to feel free to throw us a sponsor. Yeah, and if you believe that Jamie displays 
incredible ethics, you should go subscribe to his Patreon page. And that's the earliest plug I think we've had in a while. Okay, Jenny, our conversation today, again, normally stems from either something cool in the scientific community that we find or something that makes us upset on the internet. And this week, we've spun the roulette wheel and the 90% stuff that makes us mad on the internet. Part of the wheel has won. Uh, and it does stem from a few nights ago. Well, I guess this will be a few nights ago from when this comes out. Travis Negros and Connor Bedard uh, scored lacrosse-style, Mike Legg, Michigan-style goals, whatever you want to call it. Call it Michigan. I call it, I call it the Michigan. Yeah. Does that a disservice to Mike Legg? I think so. Uh, I mean, he played on Michigan, so I think no, no. ultimately you represent your alma mater, but I also thought it's... Uh... Anyways, but you know what actually cracks me up is ever you ever see that guy in TikTok or Instagram? He used to be one of like the those one of those two those two like goofball guys that would play like beer league hockey. Oh, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but he went on. I guess the end. I don't know. I don't know if they're to get together, but he does his own thing. But he always pretends to be like a little kid, and he always is pretending to be Connor Bedard. And he goes, Connor Bedard, Tojag Michi. And I think it's that's every time I see. A Michigan goal that's in my brain. How I just picture like just kids, just kids just love doing Michigan. And to be fair, like I pull every basically every training session, I probably pull one out too. Yeah. But it's just, it's, I know you have your thoughts on it and I have my thoughts on it. So let's, I think, and I think we disagree on this one. So let's get, uh, let's talk about it. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, the, the, the commentary is not so much that, you know, is the Michigan bad or fun or cool? I think it's fun. I think it's fun doing it. I think it's cool that players are doing it in a game. But the commentary I'm hearing is that the reason so many Michigan goals are going in is because goalies are going down on a wraparound attempts. And I need to I need to talk about this, Jamie. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you vent and then so you can take all my main points before I absolutely blow a gasket on this. Yes. So again. Like all things, hockey is an adapting and evolving activity. Now, if a player goes really fast around the net, the, the quickest way to get there and cover the most likely attempt to stop that play is, is by sliding into your post. Not a super complicated phenomenon. Now, players are really, really, really good in the NHL, it turns out, and the other leagues as well. People are really, ta- really skilled. Really good. Who would have, who would have thought? Yeah, I didn't see it coming. And so now they are in one motion on that wraparound attempt, seeing the goalies reading it and going down and and pulling this off. I cannot express to you, and then, sorry, the people, the responses I'm seeing is, well, goalies, this is again, the goalies are going down too early thing, right? Well, goalies got to stay on their feet to prevent the Michigan. And my only response is, do you want to see wraparound goals go in along the ice again? Because that's how you get wraparound goals in along the ice again. It, it is, yeah. And that's, well, again, it's just like, well, goalies should just stand up and everything. Yeah, but when the hammer's in the puck's low. And I think the most incredible thing, and we and I, you and I text, uh, texted about it, was just the, 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 the sheer speed oh my at gosh. which they picked it up and, and did that. You, like, you, again, we don't have like time to process that. When everyone's like, why don't you just come across and like raise your shoulder? Like, it, it's hard. And it's hard when it's fast because when that you have to figure out what's going on. Okay, they're they're wrapping it around. Okay, I'm gonna go, you know, process that information and then start to slide to the other side, and then all of a sudden the puck's in the air in a way that's like shouldn't be, 
and now it's in your net. And as someone who gave up a Michigan goal, which is the 2007, 2027, 2027, 2017, that, that, that old, uh, 2017 ECHL goal of the year, it happens really quick and you're, it, you're not expecting it. And again, like it's been said, if goalies were just playing wraparounds, expecting a Michigan, they're just going to give up goals on the ice. And there's a so lot many wraparound goals on the ice than there are Michigan attempts. So again, it's like one, it's like, what do, what do you want? Do you want nine goals a game that are all wraparounds or do you want one or two Michigan goals a month? I remember growing up playing like Timbits hockey. So my, my parents throw me in like four-year-old hockey. And I remember there was a drill called the Gretzky where you were just stand behind the net as a four-year-old and just pick up like a bunch of pucks and go back and just wrap around and try to put the puck in the net over and over and over again. It's called the Gretzky drill. Because Wayne Gretzky used to just do that, just skate out and put the puck directly along the ice into the net. Right. And then we evolved as goaltenders and we were like, oh, okay, that is, that's really stoppable if we just use a butterfly and have pads that are not shaped like clouds. Um, <laughs> but it's true. It, yeah. I'm laughing because like, I don't know, it's just some of these arguments that I see for things are, I mean, just critical thinking. It's just out yeah. the window sometimes. Uh, and actually it's, there's a, I gotta go find it. There was a clip where I scored on one of my high school goalies from the dot and he stood up and I still buried it crossbar down. Sweet shot, obviously, but sick. It's just like, okay, he didn't go down and I still scored. So I thought standing up cured everything. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah. And obviously again, so this is complicated, right? I think, I think people should go back, watch all the, again, this is a homework assignment for someone to go back and watch all the Michigan lacrosse style goals that we've seen over the past couple of years and really evaluate if that goalie rose down too early as that being the culprit, right? I think the the one the other day I saw was like a pretty, I think this one was pretty stationary, if I remember correctly, but I might now be just mixing things up with another goal I saw, right? In the case where there's a player behind the net and, they, and they're stationary and the D are just waiting, if you're down in the RBH, I understand why. If you're down in the position, I understand why. Um, but you could also be on your feet there. But with that being said, as soon as the player moves, right? I don't know. This is this is why it's tough. I just really don't see, as players are doing it with more and more speed, I don't see any way that you can just actively stay on your feet on that play. I know. You're not going to actively stay on your feet. But the only, you know, I think the best way or the only way is to identify that the Michigan's happening. And then have your glove or blocker or somehow shoulder or head against the post in order to take it. Because even then, what happens if the puck falls off the stick and then they just wrap it around and score on you low? Yeah. Or if there's a rebound and now there's havoc at your feet, there's a reason why like you go down and pucks are in tight because yeah. you eliminate the bottom of the ice. And then when the rebounds are there, you're, you don't have to scramble and go crazy for the rebound. And again, like the people, it's just, I don't know. It's it's so frustrating to see. Um, for someone listening, I actually like the Michigan. I think it just adds an element of just like you know, I mean, obviously, I I I, just, I didn't stand when I work hockey camps, and the kids are like, "Can we do Michigan's? Can we do Michigan's?" Like, no, like we're doing goalie skating. But in a game, I think it just adds in another element of unknown, and it's cool it's because it gives goalies a new challenge. Like, what? how someone's going to adapt can someone adapt some way to make it more effective to like both seal the bottom of the ice and 
be able to kind of like prevent Michigan? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have the answer. Yeah. So something I've actually talked about with, I would say kind of, you know, still minor hockey goalies, but 14, 15, 16 year old about it is it's two piece, right? So if you're down, let's say you're down as a player is coming around the net, right? I think one of the things that happens, which people can be guilty as guilty of is you just slide post to post and you give up your eyesight on the puck, right? So sometimes that happens. Goalies give up their eye line to the puck behind the net. And then something like a Michigan can happen or We've seen, you know, the classic player skates one way and then passes back behind their body because you've just assumed they're going, you lose sight of the puck. We see goals like that all the time. That's not, that goal type of goal is not dissimilar from a Michigan, right? It's, it's like you said, Jimmy, a lack of identification of the threat there. And you get scored on. It happens. It's hockey. I think one thing that you can do is if you do have early identification, so that's step one, keep your eyes on the puck, make sure that if you're going post to post while already being down and not keep pushing. Yeah, please don't T-push post. Well, that's the solution. T-push post to post standing up. You won't give up a Michigan. You will get scored on six times a game on wrap routes. Yeah. But you, you will hey. not get Michigan. That's, hey, it's all the people care about. Yeah. Once you've identified, something that you can do is I think a lot of the goalies will see it late and they try to just rush their shoulder into that top crease. You can just punch outside your post with your hand. I think, yeah, like not that thing. Reach, literally reach to the post and outside the post with your hand. It all comes down to identification. Now, if you identify it early, uh, get your hand outside that net yep. because I, you honestly want to interfere with the stick. Yes. Not even uh, the just And, and, the and even on the blocker side, like it sounds crazy, but I'm actually okay with you like legit, like almost sword fighting on the blocker <laughs> side. If you, if you identify it, if you identify yep. and you come across and like you get your knob into yep. their blade or even your wider blockers coming across your sticks there. And, and again, like it sounds bad because it will result in high sticks, side sticking. And I actually think I did once high stick somebody in the face during a game like that. Um, like definitely got a penalty for it because it was in pro where they didn't have masks on or cages on. And, but it, it's just the risk you have to take. Yeah. Like it, there's something, something has to change. Something has to evolve because this is something different. This is something that's not, the generalist or the purest like uh, ideal of hockey this isn't into it but I, I i dig it and i like it and i just and not when i when i see a michigan goal i don't go oh that's so crazy so gross i just go like i just see it as a normal goal yeah i like that there's another way to score and that's cool yeah i think rapper i again like this is another example of kind of again like the same conversation we have a lot with the rvh and being down on post this is goalies have become so good at wraparounds. It's gone to the point now that when I do wraparound drills with goalies, one of the first things I'll say is, hey, you're going to make the wraparound save every time. How do you play the rebound? Because goalies have become so automatic on right on wraparounds. And I actually, yeah, I, not even, like, I have actually, I, I haven't really had to reinforce any wraparound technique. Remember when we were younger, we, we learned and like talked about it. Yeah. Um, because kids are like kids are so good at skate like down skating and skating on their yeah. knees, and they this you know that's all that's all they do because they don't want to skate on their feet. But they hit their posts and their wraparound techniques are is pretty perfect. You yeah, know, when we get into like RVH to RVH and that kind of stuff, we get a little bit more nitty gritty. But just generally stopping in our like a wraparound, I don't have to worry about it. It's it's everything else. So that it's we, the rebound we, after it's the development after yeah after understanding the play, using your windows on your feet and on your knees and pushing, being patient and all that. And it's, which is great because now we can get into like a lot more advanced things and we don't have to spend two, three lessons just doing mechanics of a wraparound. We can jump it right ahead. And so that's, that's one of the cool things in like about development of goalie 
um, goals to goalies and like the the progression that our position's taking. Um, and I think that that's really cool. And, and I, I'll let you finish, uh, finish up here, but there was one thing that popped in my head where we talked about progression of goalies. And I think there's actually something that came to mind. I talked about Derek. Uh, we sort of had like an informal pod. Probably the audio got messed up, so it's not going to be an actual podcast. Uh, and also way too much swearing. But uh, there is a regression. Um, I am seeing a little bit of a regression in our position. And it's something that I've been trying to address with the goalies that come across my table. Is this just going to be another half split rant? Ah, oh, you knew it. We talked. Did we, did we rant about it last time? Yes, you were. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. We did. You're right. That, but it feels like so long ago that because I had, time means nothing to you. I had two pod. I had two podcasts on my own without you. Uh, Big guy. But just I think that is a regression where like a lot of young goalies are not extending their legs in the saves. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I heard uh, I heard from a anonymous source but um there's been there's other goalie coaches out there that actually act, don't teach goalies to extend while they're sliding because it opens them up which is dumb because what side of the net is open it is the fun. how are you gonna how are you going to eliminate the largest part of the net it's one Wait, thing if you're cutting I'm not saying, hold on hold on hold on when you say don't extend do they mean just slide perfectly compact in a butterfly perfectly compact oh okay hey, butterfly I was going to say, I don't, I've never once, I haven't in the last five years been like, as you're sliding, please kick that leg up and open. But I have said you have to extend your, I want to make no, sure. No, but you have to ex- like slide and leave with the toe. And yeah, of course. Yes. You're not, like, like, honestly, you're not focused about covering the five hole. If they shoot it back on you, you just collapse it. <laughs> but either you have to close off the, the available net. You do. Yeah, I think that regression comment is just... Again, I've said this before, and I'm fine to say it again. I think the floor of goaltending technique is just so much higher than it's ever been. And obviously, that's how things develop, right? Like, as yeah. anything develops and gets better, we raise the floor, we raise the floor, we raise the floor. So, for example, and this is... Okay, I was watching the... Uh, remember, like, the 18-round shootout? Speaking of World Juniors, or the 18-round shootout from when we were kids. Oh, like, okay, right? So, yeah, right? So good. Go back and watch that shootout. Watch those goalies. Watch the moves the forwards are doing. You will gasp at how bad that hockey is. Like, I watched Carey Price, like, falling over, like, one knee down, kicking leg. Like, it's not, it's it's not good. Right? It's, it's compared to what we see now, it's objectively bad. And so... That's part of this half split dilemma, I think, is because you're right. People have gotten, we've raised the floor so much that there's this baseline that we now try to get everyone, everyone, everyone to that same spot. And now we've taken away a little bit of reaching into saves or extending, I shouldn't say reaching because that's not our word, but extending and driving into saves because the really good goalies who do it make it look effortless. Whereas you watch Carey Price extend into a save in 2007. And let me tell you, that was someone extending into a save. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that that's just progress and the style has changed and the play has changed. I mean, I went, I mean, now, even when I go and watch U14, U15 kids, I'm like, this is way better than when I when we played. Oh, like, so much. It was, yeah, to be fair, it was 15 years ago. Yeah. But, like, Ooh. it's so good. And, like, even, like, I have a U10 goalie who technically is, like, incre- inc- incredible. Like incredible, like he's a bet he's better technically in skating than like some like U seventeen eighteens yeah. that come across. And obviously he he's like four four feet tall, 
yes, and sure. hopefully grows and is still able to maintain that. But like, I just see this and I'm like, I would have given anything to be as good a skater as you are now at nine when I was in college. We, uh, crazy. we had a, yeah, we had a skate the other day where we had three U10 AAA goalies as a group and they're the goalies we've worked with for a little while. So, you know, obviously full credit to, to me and not, a, not anyone else. Whoever, yeah. Not the kids who have worked extremely hard. Um, and who were like awesome kids. We're watching them skate and I'm just like sitting there being like, they are like, I couldn't butterfly slide when I was your age. We, I was kicking pucks into the slot. It's you know, it's a funny thing. I, I was like back cutting in, in, uh, coming across. in our holiday camp. We were doing, uh, you know, we were doing our, our 20 minutes of skating to start and we we're doing power pushes. And I was telling the story on, on rest. And I remember distinctly the first time I ever tried to power push, I was playing Caledonia rep hockey. I would have been 13 or 14. And this is when like legit power pushing on your knees, like pushing on your knees, staying down was new, like new. And I remember, cause also back then goalies didn't sharpen. There was still the belief that goalies are supposed to have dull skates yep. and I couldn't push. And I remember my goalie partner was there, uh, Brent Friedman was the name. Um, and I remember saying, I don't know how Jose Theodore is able to do this because I can't push. Like, how are they doing this? I thought it was like so insane, but now it's just like, it's like you just, it's automatic. Like it's a, not even an issue. You do a butterfly, do a power push. Like, yeah, you don't even have to even first time you get a goalie and you're eight. He's it. I sometimes have players that will joke around and do power pushes. Like it's nothing. Yep. And for at one point that was like hard and crazy. Um, like I used to be, I used to be scared again. I used to be scared. To be like, ooh, I'm gonna have to teach power pushes to to young kids today, like as a drill, as a coach, as a younger coach, maybe ten years ago, I'd be like, oh no, power, oh power pushes, that's not gonna go well. And now the ex, you have nine, eight, nine year olds who are like cutting and pivoting while staying down, while down skating and putting it perfectly. Yeah, it's awesome. Like man, like it's great. Yeah, like it's again, and this all ties back in with because we had these goalie tending has evolved and the, the floor is raised so high. We have people who Michigan every chance they get because it's the only way to score. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's true. Like if you have the opportunity to lift the puck up and get it yeah. in the air from behind the net versus throw it at the goalie's feet, like why not try? Yeah. Like, who cares? And I know like people are upset. It's, it's ruins the, the history of the game, but, but I think it's just, it's just the the way it goes, and until they like say no more Michigans, which they never ever will. No, I guess I hope not. Um, it's just it's just part of the game, and it's just it's just progress. And so yeah. let's let's as goalies, let's figure out what we can do in a smart way that is able to both seal the ice and then cover up high. But then when we do that, someone's gonna think of something else to get around us. And there's a reason that goals are go like the goals again is going up across all leagues and. Because players are catching up. Yeah, they're good. Players are good. And yeah, I think ultimately, again, we kind of take our usual detours. I just don't want to see goalies playing wraparounds on their feet. I would love goalies to see better use usage of, of staying on their feet. I do think, yeah, I, both Jamie and I are part of the camp who think goalies use RVHs too much. Like we're in that. Oh, yeah. When people, I like when people get upset with us on that kind of stuff. It's like, well, we're on the exact same side. I agree with that. There is too much 
There is an overuse of RVHs. There are goalies who are in an RVH when the puck is at the top of the circle against the boards. Like that's how prominent it's become. Yeah, right? and like, and and people like a lot of people are like, well, what are your thoughts on the overlap? I'm like, I love it. What are your thoughts right. on the RVH? Love it. Awesome. Like VH, love it. But it's all situational. It's not like it's not it's not a one or the other. It depends on your situation. And like I put out a lot of RVH content for one reason. Well, two reasons. It's it's people love it and it's clickbait. Um, and it gets shared, gets shared. Not very clickbait, but it gets shared a lot. But I also want to try to inform, educate on like when to use it properly. Like if you're going to use it, do it right. <laughs> and also yeah. like you should also know how to overlap. And I think one of the biggest like challenges and the things that's disappoint like i find i get not frustrated one of the things i work on spend a lot of time on is just that overlap to rvh transition oh it's, it's one of the hardest ones yeah. but once you get really good at it like your game becomes so much more simple and actually like uh both goalies at say's college game both blake and um fairbanks goalie ontario guy to can't remember his last name uh all so tall gotta be like six six um from aurora ontario i remember that because at the starting lineup they uh, said they had a lot of ontario guys actually but they always do. Yeah, their um their entries into their posts were really really good, and I was like, nice. Like, because I remember even a few years ago when I was doing pre scouts for college or for tech, there were a lot of goalies that struggled with that transition, and I would tell the the forwards like, hey, like as you get to this point, throw it at their feet because it's going to create a rebound, and it's nice, it's cool to see that goaltending is progressing where that's becoming a little, lot more automatic for like higher level guys. Jimmy, was it? Was this shutout Pierce Charlson? Is that the is that the goalie? I I honestly couldn't tell you. Well, he's played seventeen games for Fairbanks this year. So I'm assuming it's him. Six uh, two. Is your height radar bad? Just no way. There is no goalie on Fairbanks over six four. Well, is there one at six <laughs> three? Yeah, but he's from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Oh well, whoever does their that stat is that stat is not correct. After the show, after the show, give them a Google and like, hopefully they have the one, like, you know, you can tell like, where is their pant? Yeah. Where are the pants when they're at the crossbar? Like it was his low back was on the, on the thing. Actually, I don't, I didn't get any video of him because I was taking, I was only taking video of, uh, of, of Blake. And actually funny because I'm pretty sure I ended up on the Jumbotron a few times. And it was just me holding my phone recording. This big absolute cloud. But like, I, and I also like, I, I like texted my girlfriend. And I was like, I'm nervous. She's like, why? I was like, well, I'm just like nervous because I want Blake to do well and I want Tech to do well. And like, I feel like, you know, as a goalie, dad or coach, but I'm also like so incredibly proud to see them and the success he's having. And then it was just like, I, I, I was world, and that was also sad because I'm no longer a part of Michigan Tech. Oh boy. It's just like, it's always just a roller coaster of emotion. So I was just there mean mugging the whole time, taking video. Jimmy. I have terrible news, uh, and it is that every every I'm on the Alaska Fairbanks really? roster page. Yeah, you're you've lost your touch. I don't. I'm gonna find an image and, and show you because he was he was objectively tall. Maybe because Blake's so small. <laughs> I think this is what we're doing. <laughs> I think we have a compare and contrast situation. No, but I I did. I remember seeing even at the other end. I was like, okay, this guy's pretty tall. And then when he came down to my end, because I was basically glued to the glass. Um, yeah, it's like he is—he's is pretty tall. He actually, and you know what? He played pretty darn well. He had some uh, some big time saves. Well, shout out, shout out. We believe Pierce and also Blake. What was his last name? 
Chelsea, this is this is good content right here. I hope everyone, everyone who's listened this long, this is what you're waiting for. <laughs> it has this to be called, This is called Ben and Jamie use elite prospects live on the pod. Um, anything else we wanted to to talk about? Um, Twenty. Oh, we should do our goalie goalie New Year's uh, resolutions. Okay, we got five minutes here. Let's wrap it up real quick. Jamie, you're going to have one goalie New Year resolution. You're putting this ball once, one thing. I think last year we did this. Things we were hoping to change in 2022 mm-hmm. or 2020 that didn't happen. Um, what's our, what's your, your one thing? Let's see the one thing that you're sad didn't change in 2023 and the one thing you're optimistic for in 2023. Uh, one thing I'm sad didn't change is the amount of skate on post RVH goals. Um, don't love that. Uh, actually it's funny because every time a goal goes in, even today, someone was like, you have to watch the Switzerland game, bad skate on post goal. And I was like, love it content. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still upset that there's a lot of like fight against that. Um, but whatever, if you want to give up horrible goals, you can give up horrible goals. And my new year's resolution. One thing that I am hoping for. Yeah. I should have, should have thought about this. I didn't, I didn't prep. Um, well, I have a, I have a cat. Oh, here you think? Okay. You, I was gonna yeah. say there's actually again in Canada there's a really really good World Juniors commercial. That in during World Juniors, they always have these commercials of drills for coaches and parents to watch. And there's a really good drill with Scott Ratzlaff. That's just a, a RVH entry and the step out from your RVH to the top of your crease for like a hand save. It's like a warm up drill. Uh, but they have these really close like close ups of Ratzlaff's boot entering the post, and he has just the loveliest boot on post RVH into the crispest step out to the top of the crease. And the moment I saw that, I was like that somewhere right now, Jamie's smiling because they didn't demo a skate on post step out. Uh, and if anyone has seen that commercial, or I'm sure you can just Google it by now. It's probably on the internet somewhere. It's a great step out and it's crisp and it's strong and it is not skate on post and rats laugh does it wonderful in this commercial. So that's one comment. Jamie, my one thing that I am sad about that uh, did not change is the current state of junior hockey stats mm. and the quality of junior hockey stats. Um, especially, I get so many people who are like, oh, my in-stat said this, but my other thing said that. The shot counter said this. Both are wrong. Tell you this right now. Both are wrong. There's really no solution. There's no winning. Like, no. There's no winning. The, the correct winning is you have someone who has a behind-the-net camera who is able to record every time a puck would have gone in had you not been there as the goalie. Until that happens, until that happens, and this is unfortunate, I didn't talk about stats, right? I like kind of care a little tiny bit about save percentage, but ultimately it's not that good of a stat. We've talked about this before. Jamie's going to put out some more content about that in the next little bit. Um, but it sucks. It sucks for everybody out there who's trying to move up, and we know teams look at your save percentage, and we know it's not accurate. So my 2023 sadness is the amount of girlies who messaged me and said, my stats are absolutely bungled this year by stats counters. And I'm sad. I'm sad for you too. Um, the one thing that I hope changes, and this is, was this one may be, I don't know. It's not really hot, not really hot, but I, I hope to see less goalies wearing like the one piece skate. Just due to the amount of repair issues, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of guys. The a lot of them that have the one piece, something breaks, and they have to get like new skates. So they send it back to to True. And it's a huge kind of ordeal. 
So I would like to see more goalies just keep up with the, I guess, like, less. there's not many that wear them, but I would like to see mostly younger goalies, minor hockey goalies, even junior hockey. Um, we, in two-piece, just because when something breaks, it's a lot easier to fix. And I know this sounds, like, trivial and dumb, but if you don't have your normal skates or you don't have a, like, skates are expensive, and it's yeah. hard to have a backup pair of skates. So uh, I hope just people think critically about um, getting, like, one-piece skates unless you live in Winnipeg and you can drive your skates to True and get them to fix it by hand. It's something to to take a, to think about. Because even when I played in, when I played in the coast, um, I switched to the two-piece because I knew it was far away. And I was like, something goes wrong, it's gonna, it's not going to be good. Is True stuff manufactured in Winnipeg? Uh, their headquarters are out of there. So yeah. I, I guess I don't know where it's manufactured, if it's manufactured overseas or in North Probably. America. But every time I had issues with my one pieces, uh, the guy from True came to the rink, picked them up, fixed them, and got them back before the game time. So like, unless you have that kind of service, in my opinion... <laughs> In my opinion, I think it's better to stay in like a two-piece just because if something goes wrong, you can switch the cowling, you can switch this, and you don't have to replace the entire skate. That is a hot take. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it, but I, you know what? We say here at Goalie Science is that you're entitled to your opinion. Except, except, except when it's different than mine. Seven, yeah, right. except if it doesn't <laughs> agree with us, in which case we will slander you. <laughs> you know, no, no slander. Uh, my one thing that I am optimistic for and it, maybe I'm feeling cheery. I'm feeling positive from the World Juniors. I I like World Juniors. I think I love love junior hockey. Um, I'm not, as Jamie makes fun of me all the time. I love consuming all hockey that's not the NHL. I think there's so much good quality, whether it's European pro, junior hockey, women's pro, women's college, whatever it is. I think there's so much good quality with different types of hockey. So as Jamie does it, the thing that I'm optimistic for because I'm inspired by the World Juniors is I think that people might be trending towards this goalie stops the puck really well. I don't mind that they're five foot ten. And hear me out. Hear me out. That is hot. That is a hot yeah. take. Hear me out. Everyone in the North America loves Dustin Wolf, right? There is an there I have never seen the people unite behind a goalie quite like Dustin Wolf. And he's the, people, he's the he's the sword of the people's goalie. So UC Soros, in my opinion, is the people's goalie, but I think UC Soros is the people's prince. Yeah, I think I think part of the Dustin Wolf saga as well is just the blatant disrespect for Jacob Markstrom, who I think is a wonderful goalie. I think he's so good. I uh, I think he's really good. And you know what? I didn't love Vladar because him and I played against each other. Yeah. And I beat him every single time. So I was a little bitter about that. But I think Vladar is also like I watched a few of his games and I was like, oh gosh, I gotta admit, like he's he's pretty good. Yeah, Calgary's kind of bad. I'm sorry to the I know. Like, I'm sorry. I, Calgary, know. I wrote a report about this last year, but uh from the season from two seasons ago to last season, it was like a forty percent increase in high danger and medium danger chances for Vladar and Markstrom from the year before. Like their workload just got so much more difficult last year. And Markstrom has been excellent in the last 50 years. Anyways, but my point to Dustin Wolf and the World Juniors thing is I do think that, you know, as all trends in sports do, we like rapidly uh, jump on board the train and there will be some teams who will never draft a goalie under six foot three or six foot four. They just won't. It's, it's the mantra. It's the way their front office operates. But I think uh, we've seen some really good goaltending. And I think there's something I like to delineate too, but I think there's a lot of really fun smaller goalies who are fun to watch. 
So I think one of the reasons people love Soros, aside from the fact that, you know, he's 5'9", and other goalies can relate to not being 6'4", is that because he is smaller, he's, as we, we've talked about, he's an excellent skater, but he just slides a lot. Like, he has to slide so far because he's so little. Because he's, so, he's almost always behind the play because he's just so small. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, and it, I think that's what draws people to goalies like him. Same thing that we see with Shesterkin. Same thing that you see with Dustin Wolf. These goalies who are like, probably, let's be honest, they're listed at six feet. They're not six They're feet. not six feet. They're like five, ten and a half. Which is, again, shorter for goalies, but not that short in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but you like they're fun to watch play because they have to cover so much distance, and so they're they're exciting to watch play. And I think if anyone was watching the first uh, World Junior game with Team Canada, uh, Matisse Rousseau made this backdoor save. And a part of the reason that it was so fun is one, his like skate was not functioning properly in the first period, and so he slips, and so he has to kind of make this all push. But he's smaller; he has to cover a way bigger distance on a backdoor pass, so it looks more fun. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. It looks it looks more fun, which is more entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's like kind of why uh, it's kind of why some, you know what I'm gonna say. It's why Connor Hellebuck looks boring. It's why when you watch him play, it's boring. Is he's just positionally sound? Yeah, yeah. And he just he's really good with his hands forward, jacks box well, and so like he doesn't move a lot, right? Like again, imagine Henrik Lundqvist if Henrik Lundqvist didn't make. Toes up, kick and windmill saves. Oh, you'd be like, this guy is so boring because he's, yeah. he's so positionally strong. Yeah, he pivoted around his goal line for 15 years, right? So yeah. that's that's my take. I think, uh, I think, for I think the game is going to transition. That we're gonna again, we just talked about there is a upcoming generation of incredibly skating goalies, and now you kind of have to be. But what that does now don't get me started about like the six foot six goalies who are incredible skaters because now it's not even fair and there are people like that uh Andre Vasilevsky but I think I think this is happening I think we are actually going to see uh eh, they're 510 that's fine I think we are going to see a bit of a push now because goalies are just going to stop they're just stopping pucks they're just so good such good skaters and, and such impressive athletes that I'm optimistic I'm going to be wrong I'll tell you this right now it's wrong but I'm optimistic for it, and I'm I'm going to stick to my guns for it, and I, I I'm going to have the people support it. Yeah, you know you are, you're going to have the people support, and I'm probably not. They're going to be like, well, I like my one piece skate. I like all the super loud noise it makes when I stop. And they're like, well, when something breaks, it's not good. You look good. You do. All right. Um, thanks everyone for listening, uh, watching again. Share, like, subscribe. Um, if you do want goalie content, uh, it's really good. I, I put a lot of new videos up on Patreon. Actually, I got some time off and I've been editing like crazy because uh, I am, my girlfriend is away and that means I can work all day and I can work myself into oblivion because I'm a workaholic. But uh, yeah, show shout out, help support us. If you or someone you know would like to sponsor an episode, whether you run a business or just a person, um, you just want to give a shout out. You know what? If you want to promote yourself and get get your name out there you'll be a sponsored episode we'll do it we'll do it yeah uh we're gonna start a called a deep dive section where we go through your elite prospects page when you played two years in uh, mccordsville indiana (laughs) and we'll dive into the the nitty-gritty there the nitty-gritty uh but thanks everyone for listening um we'll see uh we'll see you next week i don't know why we're gonna drop some of the interviews but we have some really ones excited like cool ones coming up and ben's gotta gonna do his own interviews too for the first time So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Ben carries the show.
like many people have said before, the Ben only episodes are it actually does the top really well. It did really well. People forget that. Uh, but yeah, thank you everyone. Happy holidays. We hope you enjoyed all the time with family and friends and all that jazz. And we hope it's great. And when you're listening to this, the Goalie Science Podcast wishes you a hot start to the back half of the 2023-2024 season. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.